Welcome to The Jay Martin Show. My name is Jay Martin, and my guest today is Henrik Zeberg. He's the founder of The Zeberg Report, a macroeconomist. And today, I got into his thoughts on the equities market. He's expecting a blow-off top through 2023, leading into the real recession. I wanted to get his thoughts on how he's playing this, where he's allocating capital, uh, whether in the gold space, in the equity space, in the crypto market, in the bond market. We covered all those buckets, and interesting to get his thoughts and his thesis on the inflation versus deflation debate as well. As always, beneath this piece of content, there is a link where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter. I absolutely love writing it and I would love to have you join the team. I publish every Sunday and it's free and it's super fun. Here is Henrik Zeberg, enjoy. Here we are with Henrik Ziberg. Henrik, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me on. Well, let's start here. I think in February, you were making some calls about the gold market, calling for a correction, possible gold pullback to $1,200. And we've since seen gold rally a little, a little bit. So my question for you is, is that claim still valid? And if so, could you expand on it for me? And and then second part of the question, what's causing the gold rally right now from your perspective? OK, uh, yes, it's absolutely still on that, that call. I mean, I, I know that people would like to to see gold just uh, move much higher from here. And uh, and every time we, we see some kind of easing from the Fed and now the Fed is, hasn't pivoted yet, but but will probably soon pause, I, I guess. Well, that's that's my outlook anyway. Um, and then people say, well, now it's the time for gold to rally. And uh, we just heard it over and over, haven't we, since, uh, you know, for for us, you know, for 10 years or so. But it just hasn't passed, you know, really gotten by uh, past that that level that it reached in 2011. And uh, and I don't think it's we're going to go this time either. I mean, in, in terms of the, the way I perceive markets and uh, the way I look at structures, um, we have a lot. We have a strong decline in coming in gold. I've said that for a long time. And I have to say, I'm impressed by how it's been keeping up, but but with a um, deflationary bust coming, which will be coming later this year, as I see it, then gold will not do well. And it will, and, and there are some Fibonacci extensions that I use that that tells me we're going a lot lower. Let's. Can you walk me through that and, and what you're seeing that's going to apply that pressure to the gold price? Yeah, sure. So so you know, obviously, when when. Uh, when we really get us a recession, the last time we had a recession, when uh, we went into uh, 2008, you saw gold uh, hitting uh, or actually starting to decline, and it declined by, uh, was it 34 or some percent uh, from March of 2008 into September of 2008. And it did so because when when the shit really hits the fan and when recession sets in, that's when you start to get the deflationary bust. That's when liquidity becomes a problem. And the finest job for gold is to provide liquidity when none can be found. Yeah. So that's why the finest the finest value of gold is really to be there for you when you need liquidity. And but the only way you can do that is by selling it off. So so that's why I, I mean I am one of the greatest gold box out here. And I actually we have the gold 
miners report also, but I'm just saying, you know, there's, there is, uh, it's not an insurance you're buying because you can, we know we're going to getting into to a bad situation for gold when, when liquidity is running out of the market again, but we have to just now, I mean, we need to stay, you know, a little, you know, careful around the, the timing, of all of this and the sequencing of all of this, because right now we have now a market that will move into a phase. I call it Goldilocks phase on Twitter, which is a period or phase where where uh, inflation is not running too high we still have an economy that is not in recession and that means that you will have a risk on rally like nothing we have seen for a long time i mean we have seen that in euro bulls already you know starting to see stocks running really well indices running higher there and we also starting to see some of that coming into nasdaq and then also smp of more uh, more recently so i think it's going to run much higher there and if you're seeing that and if you're going to see also crypto which has you see bitcoin has been moving up quite you know significantly over the last couple of months here um you don't want to be sitting with gold why would you want to hold gold there so the first reason why we i don't think we're going through the to the moon here with gold it's because you'd rather be somewhere else. You know, you don't want to, you know, pick up the dimes if you can pick up the dollars by being, you know, long crypto or something, something like that. But the recession is going to set in later in 23. And that's when we're going to have a replay of what we saw in 2008, where for a certain amount of time, gold will provide the liquidity that is needed in the market when every, you know, when, when people are running away from, from assets and everything else. So, so I think something nasty is coming, and uh, in terms of the the recession, and there's plenty, there are plenty of, uh, of of signals on that, and that will not be good for gold initially. And what I'm talking about here is a forty percent drop or something like forty fifty percent drop. What I'm looking at after that is you know gold running up five times what what it's going to reach to, the lows that it's going to reach to. So I am I am a gold buck. Sorry, gold bull. Uh, mm. And not a gold box. I, was not, I will not call myself that, but a gold bull. But but it just in the short time frame, I'm not. And I, I think we're going to see that uh, crash before we actually uh, get to something which could be a very very interesting uh, entry point. So between between now and then, just to make sure I understand your thesis correctly, sure. you know, you're expecting a rally, quite an aggressive rally in the equities market. Right. right. Some would fall, somewhat of a blow off top, leading into the true recession, which hasn't really hit yet. In, into the end of 2023. That creates the liquidity crunch. We need to sell everything that's not nailed down, including gold holdings. You liquidate your gold to get some extra cash. That's going to depress the price, right? And then coming out of this, how am I doing here? You're doing well. Keep on, keep on going. <laughs> and leading us into uh, the true recession, which is where investors begin to look for safe haven assets, uh, stability, um, in those darker periods, in those harder times. And this will bring the capital back to the gold sector through maybe no, 2024, this, this will be where the Fed will stop, uh, step back in for real because they haven't stepped in back, back in for real. And when I'm start talking for real, we are talking about the new genius solution of some kind, I mean, and 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 trying to, uh, to, to put liquidity into the market. So what we're talking about here is the moment when when the Fed says, "Okay, now we are all in again," uh, when they look the deflation in the in the eyes, and I've said for a long time, we'll have deflation, even though you know, five six months ago it was laughed at. Now we we see yeah. that the numbers are now down to five percent, and it's not so inconceivable anymore. And actually, we see that yeah, a lot of things are actually coming down rather quickly. We've seen natural gas, we've seen lumber, we've seen the likes. So we are actually still in a deflationary 
phase, a long-term secular phase, or where, where the prices have been pushed, being squeezed because of the debt levels in the world. And this has not been solved yet. And that's why we are we still have one more big recession here. We actually have one major recession that, that's going to go through that before we get to, to the from a from a technical perspective, that, that's what I'm looking at, a structural perspective, to the point where we're going to have the bottom. And that will be a fantastic entry point for gold. But we'll need the Fed to step back in again. And they haven't done that yet, and they will not do it before they actually stare deflation right in the eye. Can you take a minute to outline your thoughts on what's creating a deflationary environment? Because you're right, you know, five, six months ago, there weren't very many people talking about that, you, yourself and a couple others, and now a lot more people are. And so could you just outline that case for myself and my viewers? What are the major deflationary pressures that you're seeing right now, Henrik? Sure, but that is very easy. I mean, it's it's debt. It's debt. It's debt. We we have, we have so much debt around the world. We 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 everybody is you know in debt. But if you look at the uh, if you look at you know companies, if you look at the countries around the world, and look at the U.S. Just you know, it's just debt, and we know how that is on a private house household. Also, if you you know you owe a lot of money, you will not spend as much because you know that you know it's 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 putting a pressure on you. It's putting a pressure through the. Uh, the interest cost that you got on, on on that debt. So that is what we see. And and you know the more debt you had on you have in the world, the more you will have deflationary pressures. And that's why we need to get past that. We need to get past that through restructuring, through debt forgiveness, through uh, monetary reset. I'm also looking into that and seeing that coming at some point. Uh, so they'll they'll do you know a lot of things, and and we can compare that to what happened just after the Second World War, where we had the Bretton Woods. So we're gonna see a a cleanup, a restructuring of all of this before we get to it, because this about adding more debt to fight the deflationary pressure is like you know we have a saying in Danish which is peeing your pants to stay warm, you know, it helps for like 20 seconds or so, and then it starts to get really cold again. And that's what it's what that's what we're seeing with QE, right? You know, you, you add a lot of extra money into the system and it kind of feels warm and fussy for a certain amount of time. And then it's not so warm and fuzzy anymore because then it's just just starting to uh to hang on to you. And the way it does that is because when you lower interest rates, you get people to borrow more money. And th and that is why they have they 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 think then that it's going to create a positive uh, spiral and you know upturn like that. But the problem yeah. is that the big thing is debt, and it's becoming too it's unmanageable on on the biggest perspective. So so that is keeping that is why we, we see the deflationary pressures. That's why we haven't we we're not going to see inflation in this environment. We yes we see inflation because of mismatch between supply and demand, which I've said all along. I mean, the reason why we've seen the current inflation spike is because they came out and they stimulated the economy with something which, which was 10 times the size of the, of the Marshall aid, which was the aid after the Second World War, where all of Europe were in, you know, was in ruins. And this time around, because of a, uh, of a supply crisis, which was you know, stupidity. So you, you, you pump money into a system where, where it couldn't be, you know, the supply or the demand couldn't be met. So of course you get inflation, and inflation is a lagging indicator, meaning that it comes you know later in the business cycle. That's why also now that the business cycle has peaked, inflation is coming down, and it's that's why uh, you know that's what also what what we work on, on in our business cycle model. It has been obvious it's going to come down, and and they will have to do you know pull out an even bigger bazooka next time, and and then we'll see how long it's going to be, be feeling warm and fussy that time around. Right. So simply put debt eventually causes austerity. Austerity is deflationary. It's less money, yes. 
being spent, less money floating around. You could kick that can down the road with temporary stimulus programs that create spikes in inflation, supply, yes. and, I mean, supply chain bottlenecks have amplified that. But these are, in your view, these are not the trend. These are just little, little um, distractions. Bumps I suppose. Yes. Yeah, little yeah. bumps along the way. Okay. Now you mentioned two things. You mentioned possible debt forgiveness and you mentioned possible monetary reset. I'd mm -hmm. love to jump into both of those. Let's start with debt forgiveness. You know, where could that be applicable and foreseeable? And and how how could that how could that play out? But it's already already playing out. And and something it doesn't happen overnight. But you we have seen this about student forgiveness, uh, you know, you know, right. probably more about what's happening in the US than I do. Mm. But we've seen the talks of that already. And this is the kind of of, of path that we will see that they will understand that in order to actually get the um, debt out of the world is that we actually take it away and we then put it upon the the, fine, uh, the, the Fed or some, somewhere, you know, how they're going to do it. But they will, the, the, the debt forgiveness around the world also for emerging markets and the likes, I, I think is going to be much more widespread because it will be very, very obvious that you will not get real growth if you have a lot of debt in the world. And that, the moment when that happens is the next step into when I look at the long-term cycles, the contractive uh, waves uh, that you see actually get into the contractive spring, uh, which can be compared to what we saw after the Second World War, when when actually we had that that we had a lot of uh, uh, restructuring in terms of debt, and you had a lot of also on the monetary reset with Bretton Woods and the likes, and this was what caused the the, the new growth into the, the 1950s. And, and we're going to see that again, but but you already have these kind of talks coming up. But always, as always, we need a good crisis before they will get to that point. Is it fair? Is it something that people are going to like? No. Would it be necessary? Yes. It will be necessary for the bigger perspective of the economy, because otherwise you'll keep it you know, subdued. Uh, and, and, and then growth will simply not be able to pick up. The real growth rate will not be picking up. If you look at it, long-term growth rate has been declining over the last 30 years, and that's what they they do. They need to get that up again. And the only way you can do that is to get real businesses out there, small businesses that can actually cope in a real environment where there are positive uh, interest rates and, and, and not needing to have this artificial environment. I know it's not right like that right now, but in artificial environment with low in interest rates, uh, which is the only thing that keeps a lot of in, uh, companies alive. So that is why debt forgiveness will be a part of that package. And that will be a fiscal move that we haven't seen because the last time around in 2008 when we had the last recession i'm, I'm jumping you know over nicely the, uh, the the corona crisis and the recession there but that crisis was solved by monetary stimulus this one needs to be they will do it with fiscal and that's why they'll also get to the point where 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 inflation will start to pick up again as i see it in the longer perspective and we will have a secular bottom for as we had in nine, early 80s we had the top in the inflation. Now we'll have the bottom inflation. And over the next many years, you'll see an uptrend in inflation. And then how would you define a monetary reset? And what would you expect to see there? But you, we're already seeing all, some, some of that uh, because we see the BRICS countries now coming out and saying, oh, yeah, we're trying to put up a, uh, you know, a, uh, a challenge to the US uh, dollar uh, hegemony. And, and, and you can understand why they want to do that, of course. I mean, the, the US has a lot of power with that. So you, you can kind of understand why, they, why that is a, um, uh, a desire from, from these countries. And, and, and there is a need for some kind of you know, uh, 
reorg of how the world is being run because obviously it's it's not very uh um from a long-term perspective it's not very uh yeah stable that you have just one country that can actually you know sit and then decide what what how the the monetary system works so i think that when we start to see inflation picking up and this is now where we need to you know just slow down a bit here because i think you know we got a deflationary period for now but when we get into the next crisis and they, they step up one more time and they, you know, infuse a lot of money, they will get inflation and they will actually get stagflation. And uh, and when stagflation comes out, that's the moment where something, you know, of different uh, different kind of tools needs to be taken out, which is a more of a structural perspective, a structural, um, um, you know, uh, setup that needs to be looked at. Uh, so sound money needs to get back in you cannot have this that you just have you just pump more money into the system and they blow up one bubble and then it collapses and then you do it the next time again so there needs to be a sound system behind uh, the sound monetary system so what i'm seeing is that you've got external pressures from the likes of the BRICS, and you will get also pressure from other countries when you start to see inflation pick up like what you had in the 60s when 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 france was looking at the uh at, at all the spending during the vietnam war and, and and they said hey we want our gold back and then you know they had to close off the the gold uh convertibility so so you're gonna see this time around that something else is going to to need to be constructed and they they have to be on top of it and the bitcoiners and the likes and the crypto people like to say oh yeah that that's where bitcoin comes in I'm saying no. It's not going to be Bitcoin. It's going to be some kind of a structure set up from, from the uh, yeah, driven from from the politicians, from the uh, central banks, and they will set something something up which will create a new sound money system. But we need another crisis for that because otherwise, and we need stagflation. We need inflation to move up again after the next step here uh, in order for them to start realizing that that something bigger is needed. Okay. And if you were to speculate about what that new sound money might be and how it might function, um, do you have any thoughts there? Is it, you know, some kind of a centralized digital currency backed by hard assets or commodities, a basket of commodities? Do you have any thoughts there, Henrik? That would, uh, guessing, yes. Thoughts yeah. and guessing. Yes. Yeah. But it's something along those lines. Exactly. I mean, I, I think they will have to get back to say, okay, so gold has a central uh, place in the in the monetary system and in the, in the financial system, and I think it's going to be something about you know you show me yours and I'll show you mine, and then in terms of how much do we have, and then there will be some kind of basket there with a crypto element to it. Absolutely, something along those lines, and making it easier also to and more transparent. And I think that's where the crypto people also may not like what I'm saying here, but I think it'll be more about transparency in terms of getting, you know, sending money across the world, because that is what will trigger trade. It's not about uh, the opposite and, and and that you can hide money or hide to what your, your transactions. So the transparency about, you know, a new system like that will then, and, and then that debt levels be coming down through forgiveness and restructuring and all that will be what is needed to get growth up and going again. Okay, so a couple of questions off of this. So this is a conversation that comes up on my show a lot, you know, the monetary reset, new world reserve currency and all this. And it's often framed with this sense of urgency, like this is happening right now, you need to prepare right now. Can you give me your thoughts on a timeline? What's the what's a more realistic transition period for a new world reserve currency to actually be introduced, stress tested, adopted and utilized. I mean, it seems to me like a multi-decade process, not something that's going to happen in 
2024. But what what do you think, Henrik? What, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I I think when it when it's needed, it will happen faster than what we think. But okay. right now, sitting right, I mean, when it's really needed, and I I think we cannot like. In September 21, I said, well, you know, crypto is going to, to crash because the dollar is going to move up. And people, they were laughing. And then now I'm saying, OK, now I'm long crypto because I think the crypto crypto is going to go up. And people can laugh at that because sentiment really shifts really quick here. So we have to understand that when we sit right here and right now, we understand, we, we cannot look into a, a situation where deflation really takes hold because we have had so high inflation over um, for some uh, uh, you know amount of time here. Um, but when that we see inflation, sorry, deflation starts to kick in, they will do everything to kickstart that and they will get it this time around. Reason is because economy will be slow and moving, but the financial market will then see, oh, okay, they do this again. And then I think you will see a lot of commodities that will you know, move a lot higher really quick. So that will create a stagflationary period. And that's the trigger for it because stagflation is good for nobody. Stagflation will mean that you know bonds will lose um, value, uh, stocks will lose, lose value, and so on and so forth. So that will cause a lot of problem in the system. And I think we're going to see pension fund crisis and, and the likes. And you don't want to have that because if you have that, then you'll have you know uh, people in the streets with pitchforks and likes and the likes. Yeah. So you are you got to stop that. And how do you stop it? You stop it by saying, okay, we need sound money. How do we do that? And then you'll have these crisis meetings. We know how things can happen rather quickly when, 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 you know, the shit really hits the fan. And I think that is what needs to, to happen. So, so we need to see when stagflation sets in for real and it's been, um, you know, starts to get embedded in the, in the economy, then they will, then they will need to come up with something because you can't, you can't print your, your way out of that. You can stimulate your way out of that. The only way is to create credibility to the system and that I think will happen through something like that. But I think it's already in the cards. It's something that is being discussed in the, without having any knowledge of that. I think it's something that they will and must be discussing at this point, also with the things coming up with the BRICS. And I don't think it's an, a coincidence that you start to see this with BRICS now, because that is the push also from China and Russia and elsewhere, who would love to see the US uh, hegemony, the US dollar hegemony um, disappear. Challenged. Yeah, absolutely. Now, not knowing how this may shake out, do you think that's the incentive for the central bank gold buying that we saw increase so aggressively, especially in Q4 of 2022? I mean, if you don't know in 10 years what the reserve currency might be, but there's a possibility that's getting stronger, that it might be some kind of hard asset backed idea, you know, it's in your best interest to stockpile that hard asset or the most likely hard asset that would be utilized. So are those two things directly related, do you believe? Perhaps. Perhaps that would be yeah. guessing. That would be purely guessing from my side. I, I don't know what drives the central banks uh, gold buying, and and maybe there are some gold uh, central bankers that are better at that than, than others. I think it was in the Bank of England who sold all this their uh, gold or a lot of their gold. You know, just when when gold took off in the early uh, zero uh, two thousands, uh, early early part of the two thousand. Um, so I don't know what 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 drives that, but but yes, of course, it would be a good policy to start accumulating that. And I would also say that, of course, I mean, even though I think gold is going to go down, I also have physical gold, and 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 will keep also uh, increasing, you know, my 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 holdings of that because you know it is something that will will have a when we talk in ten years, it will be a completely different price, and 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 I think uh, that will be because we will see this 
uh, the monetary reset, which probably will be around gold again. I mean, gold will shine again. I don't think this the history of gold will disappear. Um, will it have a new digital uh, element to it? Yes, I think it will. Mm. Okay. Can you walk me through uh, your portfolio as high level as you want to? You know, how are you hedged right now? Where are you looking for safe haven status? Where are you looking for upside? Um, as much as you want to share, talk to me about capital allocation. Sure. So um, I have you know different funds that I I I, I invest and uh, and but but I got a rather big portion of uh, TLTs and bonds and also German bonds uh, because I think they are you know you know steel at these prices and these levels here because we're going to see a recession and uh, and it's not it's not inflation and we now see that inflation is coming down and uh, that is a, is a, as expected um, but in the in the time frame from now and until the recession starts we're actually going to see what what I think we also saw in 2008 or 19 into 2020 was that you both had both had uh, bonds and equities going up a lot. And uh, I think we are in an environment here, the Goldilocks zone that where we have, you know, uh, it's not too, the inflation is not running too hot. It's not too cold. And we do not have a recession in the economy. I think we are in a, you know, uh, in for a blow off top in equities and risk assets. And so I have most recently, I have been buying, you know, a lot of crypto, uh, altcoins, uh, Bitcoin, um, and the likes, and and also small caps uh, because they are extremely undervalued at these levels here, as I see it in the current environment. Will I hold them for two years? No, I would probably not. Some of these, you know, cryptos and small caps, I'll you'd be selling off in in you know later this year. Uh, some uh, indicators that I'm looking out for uh, in terms of when I think the business cycle is is. Uh, Turning negative, or when we start, we will have see we will see the re recession set in, and also when I think that the stock uh, top top in the stock market will be. So, so I'm looking forward to a or looking into a, a strong period here of uh, a blow off top with S and P going to around six thousand, and uh, and and we'll see new highs for a lot of uh, cryptos, and and I want to be part of that obviously. But my defensive uh, positions are, are being built as well, also at this point here. Talk to me about those. How do you play yeah, so that's that's mostly as I said, bonds, TLTs, and the likes, and also yeah, and 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 the likes, and and I will be buying, uh, you know, so I'll be switching into dollars also at some point. I'm living in Denmark, Europe, uh, Euro uh, centric, and I will be shifting into uh, as much as I can in, in in U.S. dollars when we start to see the beginning of the deflationary period, which I think will take hold in in later this year. I think the Dixie is going to 120. Uh, and that will be the part of the, the very devastating uh, deflationary mm. period. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, and can I just say, not in a straight line, we're going to have, yeah. so we're going to see the Dixie okay. just first move to around 92 is my socket. And then, and then have that really steep uh, rally into 120, which will be the deflationary, just to make sure people doesn't misunderstand that. Yeah. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, looking at small caps, any industries specifically, how do you direct capital? What are you looking at? No, not really. Honestly, no, I don't, I don't, I don't spend much time on looking at industries there. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, there are, you can look at banks right now, actually, I think there is a good move there coming in banks, but as, as in many other industries, you'll be looking at, you know, uh, you know, strong gains when, uh, when we and growth stocks will be also something because they what we see what I think we're going to see here really soon is that as um, 
liquidity has been starting to come back into the system. We've seen how the Fed has actually started, you know, uh, the, the balance sheet is now 60% up of the, uh, the QT that they've done over the last year here. And it's, you know, it took them two weeks and they will do more. And if you look at what the Bank of China have done, has done and, and also the same for Je uh, the Bank of Japan, you've seen the similar kind of, you know, trend. So they are starting to, you know, uh, infuse a lot of, you know, new liquidity here. And, and there is a lot of liquidity standing on the sidelines here. So for us, when inflation comes out of the system, you're going to see a bounce because the consumer then, you know, has a, you know, relief, a sigh of relief, uh, because then, you know, pressure seems to be coming down. And then we will see a bounce in the economy. And that is what we're seeing right now. And I said, I forecast that in November, October, November, it's taking a little longer to get started, but we are getting started there. And um, and then we we will see that uh, risk asset will have its days uh, for 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 into at least uh, let's say Q3, and then uh, and then I think it's about getting getting out of that. So so my my allocation will be is broadly based on on different industries, uh, small caps uh, for the for that short period of time, and then building a larger portfolio of TLTs, and and then also obviously cryptos and likes which. I think we'll will be will experience the most the strongest FOMO that we have ever seen. Even though we had a, we have seen a lot, but we think I think we'll see even even more. And how do you qualify your decisions in the crypto space specifically when it comes to altcoins? Do you look at uh, utility on the infrastructure plays, or what are you what are you looking at, Henrik? Well, I look at honestly. I uh, I think that. Um, when when it comes to the real utility of things, I don't think I'll be a really good judge of you know, evaluating which which one would be uh, good for the long run, and I don't think that's what will what will um, drive up the price in the for the next six months here or whatever how long it's going to going to last. I think it will be more about you know FOMO really just okay. you know that's what it's a big bubble that is going to be blown up here for the last you know blow in that bubble. And and that is why you can you know I won't say you can be into everything but but of course there is you know you we 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 got the the usual suspects and we got you know crypto like Dogecoin that which I you know also hold it a little bit do I trust it and do I believe that will be the future absolutely not but but there are others that I didn't think okay this this absolutely you know has could have a future but I don't know much about that. And, and that will not be the reason why I'm in, investing here. Uh, you could say I'm, I'm an early speculator. I would say that, you know, if you invest, you do it because, you know, you're like Warren Buffett. You went in and you, you say, okay, there is a, a mold around this company and they do well. Is that why I'm putting my money into crypto? No, it's not. Is it why I put it into uh, certain cryptos? Maybe because I think in the long term, but I'll not keep them either way because I think even the right ones will experience a large crash. Remember, we haven't seen a real recession in, uh, while we have seen, well, while we have had crypto around, we haven't seen a, a 2007 into 2009, and I don't think it will be nice on cryptos there. So I will not hold anything, any cryptos during the deflationary bust. Okay, very okay, very interesting. Look, Henrik, I can't thank you enough for the interview. Thanks so much for coming on and getting in front of my audience. Where can we push people if they want to hear and uh, learn more about what you're up to? So they can always go to my uh, Twitter uh, profile at Henrik Seberg. And uh, of course, also to our uh, website on uh, the Seberg Report, which is uh, where we have a, a weekly show where I go through the macro uh, situation, where, where, where we're going with markets, what is happening and all that, and trying to make sense of it. And I do that on a multi uh 
market. So, you know, I, I look into almost all markets around the world and, and also multi-asset kind of perspective and, uh, you know, calibrate that and then try to get the, the you know, a, a proper and sober view of things. Mm-hmm. And as many may know, I am not uh, afraid of calling something, you know, rather, uh, which may seem outrageous, but but that's uh, that's what I do. And that's based on the structures that I look at. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, we'll include links to both. And Thank you. once again, Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor, follow or subscribe to this podcast, drop me a rating and a review and share this with a friend. All of these things allow me to get bigger and better guests on the show. Now you can catch me all over social media at jmartinbc. Thanks for tuning in.